Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Greetings and welcome to another edition of The Way of Anoa. Really excited for this conversation. Um, Last week, I talked with Danielle Moody Mills, who is an amazing commentator, uh, just real insightful, thoughtful person. Also, the host of a serious XM radio show. It comes on Sundays, hashtag woke AF. We talk about a recent piece that Danielle wrote on Kavanaugh and Endless White Rage. It's entitled Brick Kavanaugh and the Primal Screams of Whiteness and Patriarchy. I mean, you know, we watched in horror as this man literally melted down and fell apart while having one of the most important job interviews anyone could have in this country. And, 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 and Danielle really brilliantly juxtaposes, you know, that and his treatment and his support and, and outpouring. You know, you have different folks like Kellyanne Conway saying, when we saw Brett Kavanaugh, we saw our husbands and sons. I'm sure you did, honey. I'm sure you did. Um, white boys will be white boys. That's really what people mean when they say boys will boys. I mean, that same mentality, that same leeway is rarely ever, if ever, extended to black and brown children um, who are often over-criminalized, hypersexualized, and really treated as adults long before they even hit the double digits in age. So we, we chopped it up for a bit. And the second part of this podcast is from this morning, I did a live stream and had a chance to really hone in on some of the issues happening right now here in Georgia. Uh, we have the voter registrations that have been put on They're pending. They've been put on hold by the Secretary of State's office. These people can actually vote if they have the ID. We are a voter voter ID state. So if you have ID, it needs to be substantially similar. Your name needs to be substantially similar on your ID and your registration. The people who have pending registration can still vote at the polls um, where they will verify their registration. Um, and then also, this is another Black Fridays, hashtag Black Fridays. So it's really exciting to have this conversation with Danielle, along with my other commentary together for you on this episode. Black Fridays is an action happening all over the country. We have amazing women and allies who are stepping up and really demanding that we push the conversation across so many different issues. Um, I'm just I'm just really honored. And today I'll be able at 3 p.m. We will be at the Capitol here in Georgia protesting Brian Kemp. Kemp needs to resign. There's no way that this conflict of interest, that this sham of, of, of an office can continue as it has been. So really appreciate y'all support and y'all love. Please like, share, subscribe. We're also now on Spotify. Woo woo. Um, but definitely also go check out Danielle. All her information as well as the link to this article is in the description for this episode. But Danielle is hitting it a page. She's definitely one of those voices that we need to be following and lifting up and supporting. And as I always say, I'm telling you to follow someone and check them out and support. But don't be in their mentions giving them a hard time and harassing them because I ain't send you there for all of that. So like, subscribe, share, follow Danielle, all the information. Definitely lift up and support the way. Check this episode out. Peace. Afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining the edition of The Way with Fanoa. I know I had like a lull for a little bit because doing the work with the candidates and stuff, but here I am back with more great content and another 
great thinker, writer. I don't know if we use the term thought leader still these days, but a pretty amazing person who I've been going through some of her stuff and I'm like, wow, how did I not know about her? She's awesome. Um, Danielle wrote this amazing piece in rewire.news recently. Um, I think it was last week, actually, Brett Kavanaugh and the primal screams of whiteness and patriarchy. And a lot of folks have commented on his demeanor and attitude and just, I mean, just, just ugliness during the hearings and how we have this whole collective of white culture society that's like, oh, but, you know, boys will be boys and kids are kids. And, you know, the subtitle for her piece says, Black children are never allowed to just be kids. And yet somehow white men are treated as perpetual adolescents, even into their 70s, like the current occupant of the White House. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, just thinking about this piece, like kind of what, I mean, I, 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 I obviously as a, as a, you know, living here, growing up in America, raising black children in America, I get it. But can you just talk to us a little bit about what kind of, you know, motivates you when you were through the testimony and all this stuff to sit down and do this piece? You know, I, I sat down and did the piece because I am just continually outraged by um, straight, cisgender, white, privileged, wealthy men and their behavior. And, you know, when I listened to Dr. Christine Blasey Ford's testimony before the Senate last week, um, like so many other people, my heart broke for her. Um, it broke that she had to give this testimony in front, in front of a largely white male body and be dismissed. And the way that just, you know, yesterday, uh, number 45 spoke about her mockingly to a group of his sycophants um, really made me sick. And Brett Kavanaugh and his demeanor at his testimony um, last week was exactly what white patriarchy and male privilege and white rage looks like. And all I could think was, if this is what this man looks like sober in front of a national audience, I can only imagine what a drunk, hormonal, 17-year-old Brett Kavanaugh looked like the day that he allegedly tried to uh, rape Dr. Mm -hmm. Ford. Mm -hmm. And so when I was thinking about that, I said, you know, the courage that she showed and the other victims that have come forward have shown I wanted to share my own story, but also wanted to make a very distinct line in the sand between how our black boys and black children in general, as black boys as well as black girls, are treated in our society and how their childhood is stolen from them, essentially at birth. Um, mm -hmm. And yet we continue to treat white men with kid gloves well into their late age, into their golden age of life. And I think mm -hmm. that that's ridiculous. And I mm -hmm. wanted to draw the contrast so that people could see it very clearly. Yeah, like I really like that last part, right? Like when we teach, we treat white men, whiteness in general, right? We I mean, we have the term white fragility for a reason, not because like somehow there's some very particular sensibility that only white people have, but like this society is constructed in a way that we have to protect the sensibilities and we can't shake 
things too much because we don't disrupt people. I mean, we're told that as activists, organizers, content creators, et cetera, we don't want to offend people because funding, right? Like, and there's, there's so many different ways that this manifests itself. But I think what you recount in this article and what you just, you know, talked about a little bit and how Kavanaugh, his display was just, a, it just summed up generations of white male privilege and fragility in one sitting. Um, the, 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 the frothing at the mouth, the spitting, the, mm-hmm. the very partisan language used, even... Um, I can't remember off the top of my head which senator, which woman senator it was who was questioning him. He was like, well, I don't know. Have you? And it was just like this this very rudeness that would have never, you draw a parallel here with uh, Clarence Thomas, you know, over 20 years ago, and how even though they both had similar, you know, verbiage, it was, I think you see here, the display of rage from Kavanaugh that is so tightly wrapped in whiteness, it's almost jarring. And, and, and had... Clarence Thomas acted the way Kavanaugh is. I am not so sure that he necessarily would have still had, you know, the full-fledged support that he has, that he did receive, you know, from the members of his party and, 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 and others um, to, to be nominated because I don't know that anyone, a white man, can act this way and still be treated as if they're... Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely not. And we know that because we've seen this. I mean, you know... It was joked um, for you know throughout the Obama years that he was Mr. Cool and Collective that couldn't be rattled. And I used to say that I'm a, I am sure that Barack Obama practiced meditation and yoga because to have to keep yourself together in such a way when you're being attacked verbally day in and day out. Um, and try to be broken down is something that black people experience across this country, around this world all the time, right? Because if we emote in any type of way that is other than calm, even in the face of such vehement nastiness and racism, then we're the ones with the problem, right? We're the ones that, why are you so angry, right? Which is the common phrase of the angry black woman. Clarence Thomas, even though I think he's a despicable human being, could Mm -hmm. never have displayed the type of rage that Kavanaugh did, to exactly your point, because he would have been labeled, right, as the angry black man. So everyone else, um, as long as you are white and straight, you are you have the full range of your emotion that you're allowed to put on display. And everyone else has got to bind themselves so that that their emotions are not used against them. Mm-hmm. Right? If 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 you know, even though I thought that Dr. Blasey Ford carried herself with the most um, courage, the straightness of her back, the breakdown that she was giving scientifically of what trauma does to the brain. I listened to right wing radio and how they ripped her apart and said that she showed up as like this little girl that doesn't know anything. Doesn't, and it was so demeaning. Why? Because her voice was even killed because it, it, you know, because her voice actually sounded a bit younger than she looked. Right. Like all of those things are used against women all of the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's just incredibly frustrating. And then even when you show them, you hold the mirror up to their face and you say, look at this, look at yourself. They refused to see it. But I just wanted, I wanted to make sure that my article would, you know, hopefully open up a conversation about who is allowed to have a full range of humanness and emotion and who isn't. Um, mm-hmm. And what that, and how that is detrimental to our growth, right, as, as Black women 
um, as black people over the course of time. Um, and it, and, and it's incredibly frustrating. It's, inc it's incredible. That, that entire display, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And then the following with the president and I, I just, you know, every day I wake up and I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Twilight zone or, or a really crazy black mirror episode, I guess crazy black mirror episode is redundant because they're all pretty wild. But absolutely agree with you. And, I, and, and, and like, like, even though for a lot of us who have grown up, who live to exist as black and brown, we understand this. I still felt that this was such a brilliant piece because like the juxtaposition of the experience, we talk about Trayvon Martin and Mira and the characterization uh, I mean, the rush, right, to, 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 to criminalize, to demonize, to, to, to turn people to arm thugs and treat people as if they're grown men when they're young, and how the media actually works to maintain this, uh, this phenomenon we're seeing about how these individuals are demonized, you know, from youth. I mean, we see this also in our school system with the over, uh, 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 you know, use of uh, 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 suspensions and disciplinary actions for, you know, black and brown children from the time they were in preschool, pre-K. Um, but when we have folks like, you know, uh, uh, Kavanaugh, who is, oh, but you're ruining him, or, or, or what about due process? Like, I've never seen people so concerned about things like due process and how we're and protecting people's um, legacies and, 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 and things of that nature and a job prospects as we do when it's instances like this, when like literally we have actions being taken on a regular basis that affect the life chances of, you know, our youth all the time. And there isn't really anyone saying like, oh, well, what about, what about, you know, they're just kids and kids like, like having kids myself now, I look and see how pretty much everything that we did as kids, not saying that we were bad kids and we did these things necessarily, but like, everything that kids did that like when I was a kid, it was a fight. You got suspended or you got detention now carries like a criminal charge in it. Right. Like there, there is this, this focus on criminalizing and restricting particularly black and brown youth in a very particular way, but we still see this narrative and you, you also use the example here of like Brock Turner and also the, the young men who got off from the vehicular homicide, uh, homicide with the affluenza. Like, uh -huh. Like we see, we see these very clear. It's like it's definitely economic aspect too, but that 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 issue of how white children are dealt with in comparison is like really stark and there, and like it's so deep. It is so deep and it's so real. So when we have a Tamir Rice who was depicted to be a certain way, we have even like a John Crawford who was murdered in in Walmart in Ohio who was just mm -hmm. looking at a gun, which folks are supposed to be so pro gun, right? In in an open carry state, like the way they're demonized and depicted in the media, but then we have this scenario. And you refer to this CNN. CNN had a panel that had featured like a focus group of women, right? And they were, they mm -hmm. them as Republican, just regular Republican women who had opinions. But I was following the conversation from some folks on Twitter and apparently that group of women were not just any old Republican. One had recently run for office. Another one was a high level operative in the state of Florida. Like these were like, people in positions of political power being presented as if they're just average voters. And so like it shows the way that the media actually feeds into this narrative and how we're constructing, protecting and, and maintaining like fragility. And thinking about how how does how from your experience like how do you see media in its role in all of this as well? 
Well, you know, as a person that is part of the media, right? Like I have a, I have a, a radio show on Sirius XM. I do television on, you know, on a frequent basis. Um, I understand the responsibility that media has to tell the truth, right? To deliver people information and so, so that they can make informed decisions. At least that's my reasoning behind the work that I do in media. And, you know, at the same time, the media is completely responsible for this president right now. We would not have Trump had they decided not to cover him wall-to-wall coverage since he announced his campaign. Right after he came out of the gate talking about Mexicans being rapists, their cameras should have shut all the way off, right? But they were, they were too titillated with the idea of their, of their ratings going through the roof that they just kept the cameras rolling. That's exactly how Hitler came to power, right? Because the media aided him and he used them as a way to support his propaganda and his populist and, and, and you know, nativist um, agenda. And so, you know, I think that the media needs to take a really hard look at themselves and what their roles and responsibilities are to the American people. And is it, is it to entertain or is it to provide information, especially when you realize that we are living in incredibly dangerous times? I think that Trump is absolutely treasonous, right? He should be in jail. He is putting America at risk. He is our biggest national security threat that we have facing us right now. It is not Kim Jong-un, it is him. And so... When I think about that, and I think about the ways in which they are talking about him, that we use every other word rather than to call him a liar, we will use every other type of euphemism um, because of fear of backlash, like that's problematic. You need to take a stand, and the media still to this day has not. They push back every once in a while, but they're still being incredibly irresponsible. When he lies, it's their job to call him a liar, not to pat him on the back of the head and say, well, one day he'll, become, he, one day he'll act presidential. No, he won't. He's 70 years old. Let's pull yourselves together. And so I get, you know, equally enraged by their lack of backbone and authority around their responsibilities to the people that they are serving instead of the shareholders that they're serving and the ratings uh, that they're a slave to. Because right now, we will look back on this in 50 years and we will think about the media the same way that we did after the fall of Hitler. How could they? How could this happen? And we'll have the answers as to why. And they will be number one. No, absolutely. And I think that's really a great, you know, a great point you made about the amount of coverage and stuff and free access. I mean, what was it over like two billion dollars of free um, earned media that that the Trump administration that well, Trump pre presidency received right from the media. And they do there. There seems to be like, quote unquote, liberal or progressive media seems to be too focused on being fair and balanced. And we have this whole thing about, well, we have to be fair. We have to be balanced. We can't call people out. We have to, you know, level the playing field. And it's just like, what are you talking about? There's nothing fair and balanced when literally no one is providing a consistent check balance to the rhetoric and vitriol that we see coming out of the White House and, 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 and other leaders of the country right now, or people, I guess, who would be called, um, quote unquote, leaders across the country right now in these various fields. So just thinking about where we are now in this conversation, like, how do we start in our own lives and, and just who we're supporting how do we help change or how do we force a change in the narrative? Because there has been some change a little bit in how we have stories about people like you on, on, you know, on, on, on platforms like Sirius XFM, you know, like how do we, we continue to drive this narrative and kind of challenge 
what's happening, what we're seeing, like we've seen this week with the Capitol? I think that we need to spread, you know, we need to support each other. Those that are in the media that are actually doing the good work, those progressive voices, um, we need to lift them up and we need to share each other's work and we need to promote each other's work in a way that allows people to see that there is a place for them to go to get the truth, right? Um, you know, sometimes I'm told that I'm too hyperbolic, like, oh, the sky is falling. And I'm like, look outside your window. Like, if you don't think that the world is in deep, deep trouble, then you're not paying attention. And so I think that it's really important for those of us that are trying to be a voice, trying to create a platform and a space for people to air their frustrations and then give them, you know, some solutions. My biggest solution that I offer every single week is for people to get out and vote and not just them, to get their neighbors, their families, their friends, you know, if they need to put in to take off a of work or say that they're going to uh, need a half day to do that now in advance of the election, because voting is the only thing that is going to save us, right? If we didn't have the people that decided to, you know, lodge their uh, protest votes with a voting for Jill Stein, we may not be here right now. If, you know, if there were people that were just not enthused by Hillary Clinton or thought that she was the same thing as Trump and decided to sit home voted, we wouldn't be here right now. Russia, Russia, with Russia or without them, right? Um, and so I think that the responsibility that we have in the media and in the press is to provide people with the information is that's necessary for them to make educated decisions about the leaders that they want. And then once those leaders are in office, if they are not serving you, then it's your responsibility as a citizen to vote them out. It's not a one and done proposition to be an American citizen. It is constantly being vigilant and holding your representatives accountable for being your voice and creating the kind of democracy where you have not only a voice, but a seat at the table. And, you know, that takes education, that takes activism, that takes thoughtfulness and strategy. And that's the responsibility that the media has to provide people with the information that they need in order to make those decisions. Definitely. Absolutely agree. Like, just really appreciate the perspective of Titan. And like, we all, like, I hope everyone has at least learned now in the past years that, that, that it definitely matters. And it's not just a one and done. Like, well, I showed up that one time and it didn't work out for me. That these are tools, but we have to like leverage and collectively use all the tools in our toolbox. You can't build a house with just a screwdriver, right? Like you need multiple things to get that finally done. Um, so just like any final closing thoughts just on this this concept that we just saw, like in terms of the, 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 the protection and I guess the way that white rage is like enshrined. And even when we look at like these school shootings and things of that nature, the way it's rationalized and described, it's very, it, 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 it follows a particular script compared to when we talk about any other type of incident involving someone of color. Just like, just any final thoughts that you have just about this and I don't know what the other, what the right framing is. It's not a cultural phenomenon. It's definitely something that's ingrained and embedded in the fabric of like American society and our media culture as well. Yeah, I think that it's important to call out wrongdoing when we see wrongdoing and not just assume that like, you know, just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, that's America. Um, it's America right now. Like America can be changed. It has changed over the years, but it takes people paying attention in order to do that, right? And so we need to call out wrongdoing when we see it. When I saw Brett Kavanaugh and his rage, all I saw was probably the last image that Emmett Till saw before he was murdered, right? What I saw was the, the face um, that Trayvon Martin saw before he was murdered, right? Like that is, that's what white, white rage does when it is unchecked. And it is our job to check it and put it back in its place, right? Which is in the margins of society and not center stage where Trump has allowed it to be right now. 
Um, and so like my opinion and, and perspective is that like you call out wrong when wrong is happening and you keep calling it out. You keep persisting until change actually comes. I don't know what else to say besides that, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your writing. Um, folks, if you can catch Danielle. Danielle, when is your show on? So my show, Woke AF, is on Sirius XM, channel 127 on Sundays, live from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. That's amazing. Y'all, y'all, y'all know this is something good to listen to on a Sunday morning. Um, I'm definitely tuning in as I rip and run on my way to go canvas this weekend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your contribution, your work and your voice. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning, everyone. How are you? My name is Noah Changa. I host a little podcast, The Wave of Noah, and you're watching me live this morning, Friday. What is it? October 12th? Yes. It's so much going on. So we've seen the news this this, this past few days about 53,000 voters who have had their registration, newly registered voters who have had their registrations put on hold by the Secretary of State, Brian Kemp. I am here based in Atlanta. Brian Kemp is a hot mess. We've known Brian Kemp has been a hot mess for years. There have been so many different organizations that have been really on the front lines battling with Brian Kemp. He has been repeatedly sued for not just this very particular issue in terms of exact match, which he reached a settlement with the Lawyers Committee and other involved groups back in February 2017. There was a letter actually sent out early this summer noting that that, uh, to Kemp that, that groups were watching him for this specific issue because of the prior settlement and agreement. So what do we know about the 53,000 voters? We know that 70% are African-American, 70% of the 53,000 that voter registrations that are on hold are black. Are we surprised? No. Brian Kemp has had a vendetta, has been targeting black, brown, AAPI voters since he's been in office. Um, we know that he has a personal vendetta against not only his opponent, Stacey Abrams, but also the organization that she originated, the New Georgia Project, New Georgia Project, and New Georgia Project Action Fund are on the case. Pro-Georgia, Lawyers Committee, Civil Rights Under the Law, ACLU, there are so many groups right now mobilizing on this particular issue. There was just a suit filed yesterday by the Lawyers Committee, NAACP, Legal Defense Fund, and other organizations against Brian Kemp on this specific issue, because again, this is an issue that they've had to litigate with him before. Now, what we do know is that legally, the 53,000 voters, and this has been, you know, pro-Georgia, Lawyers Committee, ACLU have all put this information out. The 53,000 voters who are have their registrations on hold are entitled to vote at the polls with proper ID. They need to verify their, their, their registration at the polls with proper ID. Now, why is there like a frenzy if they could still vote? What's the problem? Problem is one, if people check their registration to check their polls or anything like that online, they say pending, they may not know what that means. Not everyone may not take the time to understand or read and learn what that means. And quite honestly, even for those who do this work, the laws may seem clear on his face, but we already know that Brian Kemp does not follow the law. He's had to be sued so many times to follow and apply the law properly. Just last summer, Brian Kemp was sued by the ACLU of Georgia for improperly sending inactive notices through the Board of, Board of Elections across the state to voters who had moved within the same county, which is perfectly legal. It's permissible under the National Voting Rights Act. So we know that Brian Kemp has had to be sued to enforce the law before. 
So to be clear, the 53,000 voters who have their registrations listed as pending can still vote with proper ID. We're ID state here in Georgia. It sucks. We should be moving to automatic voter registration and no ID, but this is the, this is the rail yard. If you know any of these people who may show up pending, if you're someone who may show up pending and you need ID, you can't get ID, reach out to Spread the Vote Georgia. Spread the Vote Georgia is an amazing organization that has been helping to get people ID all over the state. So... That brings me to the next part. We need to turn out the vote, y'all. We need to turn, I got my Glow Vote shirt on. Back in the primary, there was an amazing group of women who came together from here in Georgia and all over the country and did this amazing initiative, Glow Vote, Georgia Leaders Organizing Women, um, who came out to, to really like set the stage and, 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 and canvas, turned out the vote, and, and, and Stacey Abrams had a resounding you know, margin of victory. Not saying that was just because of us, there were some people who did this work, but what we need right now, we need people to to make sure the 53,000 know that they most definitely can show up at the polls and vote. And if people are trying to give you a provisional ballot and you're not, you're, you're supposed to regularly vote, we need people to call the election protection hotline number and I'll be tweeting that out as well. So we need people to be giving out the election protection number, making sure that people know that if they have their ballot ID, the name on your ID has to be substantially similar to the name when you register. Now, for those people who vote at the DMV, if you're voting at the DMV, the name that's gonna be on your ID there shouldn't be an issue, you know, human error might happen, which is also, which also is a problem with some of, that is addressed by some of these lawsuits as well, but they should be substantially similar if you're, if you're voting at the ID. But if you personally have your name registered the way it is on your license, but then you go and you register to vote separately, you need to make sure that it's substantially similar so you, so you don't get any issues or have any problems. For example, I don't use my entire name. I never, I've never used my entire name, but my entire name is on my license because when I went to the DMV with the new rules about how your documentation has to be, and I use my passport as one of my verifying documents, they put everything on my license. So if I were to go register to vote, I would never use my whole name. And so I would appear to Brian Kemp in the way he does exact match, I would appear as two different people. And that's a very common issue. I've heard from 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 um from couples who are married who have hyphenated last names. They 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 decide to add the hyphen at some later date. They're the same exact people. They have the same exact name, but they just added in a hyphen. And it's literally that something so simple. There have been some instances where the zip code, if your zip code on your license has that four-digit extension, but when you go to apply for your voter registration, it doesn't. They've even been trying to do that with the exact match. So we need to make sure that we're vigilant and on top of what's happening right now. So there isn't a panic in the sense that, oh my God, these 53,000 people can't vote. Technically, by law, they can still vote, but it's very reckless. It's reckless. If there's anyone telling you all, whether in the media or whatever, if they're telling you that there's no reason to be concerned, that is reckless and it's not true because we know that Brian Kemp is a voter suppressor in chief here in Georgia and he is trying to get a promotion to our governor and he does not deserve to be there. Not only has this man purged over, I think it's over a million voters since I think it was 2000 and uh, 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 12, um, he has also lost access, like, like publicly made available the, the private information of over 6 million registered voters. And apparently his secretary of state office was keeping more information than is legally required on us. What is that all about? He's a baby Kobach. Like people talk about Kobach in, in Kansas. We have the same thing here in Georgia. Right. We no longer have the full protections of the Voting Rights Act. We have we have a candidate, his opponent, Stacey Abrams, who has made this part of her mission to make sure that unregistered voters and marginalized communities have access to the ballot box. We have so many different black and brown led 
organizations working, AAPI organizations working on this effort. And we cannot let Republicans, they're bragging about how because of them, we've had more people registering to vote. No, that is because of the powerful work of organizers. So yes, the 53,000, they can vote. We need to make sure that everyone knows what is needed to go vote, where they can vote, how they can vote, and what the election protection number is. And again, I made a mistake and didn't get that before I hopped on with you guys this morning because I'm trying to do this real quick before I got to do some work. But the election protection number, I will make sure that it's shared, but we need to be sharing all this information. If you are out of state and you want to support our efforts here, get in touch with the different organizations that are trying to mobilize. We need people phone banging. If you're here on the ground, we need people canvassing. We need to knock all these doors today. It's another Black Friday, y'all. Black Fridays, if anyone has been following the hashtag, hashtag Black Friday, shout out to some amazing women from across the country who put it on the line the past several weeks to, to, to cancel Kavanaugh, stop Kavanaugh. We saw people challenging directly, you know, the senators and stuff who don't want to listen to women, to survivors, to the communities that they serve. But beyond that, it is the institutions. It is a system that allows these people to abuse power, which is how I'm connecting this with what's happening right here in Georgia. Because we have an institution, we have a system that allows someone like Brian Kemp to oversee his own election. And it makes no sense. This is the most egregious abuse of power. This is the most egregious conflict of interest happening right now in Georgia and for whatever reason Brian Kemp don't think he need to resign but guess what the people of Georgia are showing up turning up today at the Capitol it's also Black Fridays so there's a national Black Fridays action calling for people to walk out stand up if you can't walk out and stand up slow down whatever it is you can do to challenge the systems that combine and oppress us across the board however here in Georgia it just so happens it's it's like you know Providence, that people decided to organize an event today at 3 p.m. at the Capitol demanding that Kemp resign. Now, some may say, oh, he's not going to do that. But you know what? We need to get people motivated. We need to get people energized. We need to get people hyped up because there is so much at stake on the line right now. And I'm not going to tell you to vote because it's the end of the world. We're going to die or whatever. I'm telling you that we all need to be out here. We need to vote. But not only that do we vote, we also hold these people accountable. We build accountability into our process. And uh, Brian Kemp while he's running for governor and he's not the candidate I'm standing behind, he is the current secretary of state of this, of this state. And he does owe a, a fiduciary duty to all of us. So he needs to be held accountable. So demanding he resign, demanding he remove himself, demanding if he claims to be the man of high ethical moral caliber that he says he is, that means that he removes the conflict of interest and he removes himself from that office. Plain and simple. You have his second, he's blurring the lines between his campaign and when his campaign time, he's, he's actually, he's actually working on official time. This man is campaigning on our tax dollars here in Georgia. Okay, they want to slam Stacey Abrams for traveling around the state to get out the word about the affordable, about the ACA and trying to expand Medicare. That was her job. Running for governor is not his job. And he's not doing his job as our Secretary of State either. So what we need to do is I need everybody to come join us at 3 p.m. at the Capitol if you can turn up. If not, hit us up on Twitter. We're going to be live tweeting. Check out New Georgia Project NGP Action. Check out um, Black Lives Matter Atlanta, BLM Atlanta. There's, there's two different accounts out there. BLM Atlanta. I'm going to tweet out all the information y'all need to file, follow. Um, check out... Uh, uh, um, there's so many different great organizations and groups and Twitter handles that are sharing good information right now, but that's really what we need to do. Make sure we're sharing good information. We need people who registered, who have their um, registration 
you know, pause or whatever the, the euphemism they're using, we need everybody to know that they can vote. They can vote. Make sure you have ID. If you know people who need ID but don't have ID, check out Spread the Vote Georgia. Amazing organization. Fallon McClure does amazing work, as does the rest of her Georgia team. I mean, it's in, they're in several states across the country. They're also in Florida. Um, but but led by Kat Calvin, amazing organization. There's a lot of great work being done. But we need people to turn up. We need people to hold hold these elected officials accountable and demand better. And we also, we need people to knock on the doors. We need everybody to knock on every door. I do what I do. I work. I raise my kids. I have family that I have to be responsible for. But I'm still trying to get out into the districts and knock on doors with different candidates. Okay? So wherever you are, no matter what, get, find an event near you. And, and knock on some doors. Hit up some doors. Can't If you can't, and I know that not everybody can physically get out there and knock on doors, can you phone bank for an hour or two? It matters. It really does. Is there a postcard party happening where you are? It matters. It all does. I mean, you know, folks even get they hustle on. Hustle is a texting app where you can text voters to let them know about what's going on and get, get out the vote. We need you. We need everyone activated on the bench. What's at stake? Medicaid expansion. Medicaid expansion not only just directly, you know, provides access and opportunity for so many Georgians, whether rural, urban, whatever, across the state. We've had massive hospital closures that have decimated entire counties and made it difficult to get access to care. Medicaid expansion also helps deal with the uncompensated care costs that, that regional hospitals are having to to bear. It's a burden we as taxpayers are having to bear. Education is a huge one. These ridiculous commercials that Kemp is running that only him and his wife because they have kids know about education is stupid. We have plenty of people who, who have children. Uh, don't Betsy DeVos got kids or something? Like kids in her family? She don't seem to know anything about education. George Bush had daughters. Didn't really seem to know much about education. Having children doesn't mean you know better about education than someone who does not. And I'm tired because these are very sexist these are very problematic attacks on Stacey Abrams in terms of based on family affiliation. It doesn't matter that she doesn't have her own physical children. There are still children in her life that she knows and cares for. And you don't have to be a mama biologically to care and love for other people's kids. Like, that's just real. And we all know that. How many of us know teachers? How many of us know community people? How many of us know people, aunties, uncles, whomever, who love us as if they are we are their own, even though they don't have their own children? So that's just stupid. Come on, Georgia. We are smarter than this. Well, most of us are. But there's a lot of stake on the table. Criminal justice reform is another huge one. Brian Kemp is funded by the bail bonds industry and other entities that would really dismantle the progress that even the current governor, a member of his party governor deal, has started to usher in. No. We say no. So... I'm not going to tell folks that you are, if you don't vote, it's in the world and you're going to betray us all. I need you to be engaged. I need you to be informed. So we need to let the 53,000 know that they can vote. We need people to understand they need ID, what it takes to vote, where they go to vote. Early voting starts Monday, October 15th. This Monday is early voting. So I'm going to early vote as soon as my early voting location is open. I hope you all do the same and help others get to the polls too. Bring five friends with you. I mean, there's so much at stake and it's really crucial right now. So to recap, because I done said a lot in the past 15 or so minutes, because again, you know what I'm saying? I got I got to feed my children and get, and get, get, get cracking on my work day. But I will be there at the Capitol at 3 p.m. So if you are here in Atlanta or in the general vicinity and you can get there and meet me, meet me, outside at the Capitol at 3 p.m. But to recap, 53,000, they can vote with proper ID. Their ID needs to be substantial. The name on the ID needs to be substantially similar to what is on their registration form. It's pending. 
they can verify it at the polls. We need to make sure poll workers understand this. I had a couple of friends who had been trained as poll workers say, oh, we've been told to give people provisional ballots. No, provisional ballots, unfortunately, do often do not get counted. And this is what I'm pretty sure this is what Kemp is banking on. Morning, y'all. We here, we here, and we gonna do this because there's so there's a, there's a mood right now. There's something that's happening right now in the country nationwide, and it's coming from the bottom up. It is not a top down process, okay? Like so, I need folks to understand what's at stake. But it's not just that we vote and then that's it. We have to be constantly engaged. There's a sacred rage that flows through our veins, and it is driving us to action in this moment right now. And we need to carry and beyond. Now, a lot of us was aware and we was alert prior to 2016. Some of us are now just coming to the table. That's fine. I don't even care about any of that 2016 stuff no more because it literally has no bearing on what's happening right now. But we do have to take the time to talk to one another. We do have to take the time to go actually knock on the doors and not trying to convince people who already are not going to be on our side that this is the right thing to do. But we need to engage people who have a lot at stake. My mom has never canvassed before. My mom has never canvassed before. She's never really been, she's voted, but she's never really politically engaged like that. She's an activist, you know, real radical organizer stuff from back in the day. She was so fired up hearing Stacey talk about immigration. And as a black woman, you know what I'm saying? Some of my people might think like, why was she fired about that? But it was the way in which Stacey talked about the duty as governor to the people who live in this state and serving the people and acknowledging the accountability and how we all have to build this process with her that touched my mother. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, my godmother is down in Florida. Same thing with her in the connection she's feeling now to Andrew Gillum's campaign. You got a lot of people who are being motivated because we have candidates who are willing not only to speak truth to power, but put that, put that speaking truth into action. And they're asking us to stand with them and hold them accountable. So I'm motivated and engaged to see my family get motivated and involved and activated. I'm motivated when I see people who I know have never really been involved before starting to step up and do this work. We need to encourage folks. We need to talk to folks. We need to explain what's at stake. I know folks feel dis discouraged because they voted for Obama in 2008 and nothing in their lives changed. That's because we pay too much attention to presidential election cycles and not enough to the state and local. I work with municipal and local candidates across the country, and these levels of office directly impact our lives immediately. Having Stacey Abrams in the, the governor's mansion, having Stacey Abrams leading a state legislature that is focused on expanding Medicaid is an immediate game changer for Georgians across the ball. I know a lot of us are for Medicaid, Medicare for all. I totally am definitely down for it, but this is a step in the right direction and it immediately makes sure that three members of my family have access to health care because we can't afford to pay for it out of pocket. I'm thankful my mom's health is what it is right now because I can't imagine the catastrophe in our family if we had to pay for medical care out of pocket right now. It just wouldn't be possible. How many of you out there have seen the GoFundMes? How many of you out there know friends and family and loved ones who are burdened right now? We just went through this with my father. Thank God my father has the health care that he has. He has an incurable form of cancer that would have killed him without treatment. We all know these stories. It don't matter what party you belong to. These are stories affecting working families, working Americans across the board. That's what this is about right now. We got to reach people on the issues. So right now, I need everybody to know that 53,000 can vote. We can vote. Y'all can vote. You need to make sure you have proper ID. 
substantially similar name on the ID. You cannot get ID if you don't have the documents to get your ID. Connect, spread, connect with Spread the Vote right now so they can help you. If you want to volunteer, go check at NGP Action, New Georgia Project Action Fund, and Working Families Party has this amazing turn up together. Um, and they will be every Saturday, and they're having more, they're having canvassing, other stuff happening every day at their three offices. Go check out NGP Action. Seriously, there's like so much going on right now, and there's going to be more and more as we get closer to election, but we need everybody. We need people hustling. That's the texting app. We need people phone banking. We need people knocking on doors. We need people doing everything. If you, if you can't, if you really are stressed and tired, if you can just get you some buttons or stickers and, and do what the ladies call the passive canvassing, talk to the people, at least in your immediate life and make sure they know what's going on right now. If you're outside of Georgia, the same thing applies. Out in Nebraska, you got Karen Eastman running for Congress. You got one of my new candidates, Jennifer Hernandez, running for, for county clerk. Uh, I mean, clerk of courts in Omaha, Nebraska. Like, there are amazing municipal candidates who need you. You have Johanna Lopez down in Orlando, Florida, running for school board. Right uh, uh, up in up in Massachusetts, you have an amazing candidate, Rachel Rollins, who's running for Suffolk County District Attorney. She's running against an independent who is backed by the police. The police are trying to handpick in Boston. The police in Boston are trying to handpick their new DA. No, uh-uh. There's a lot going on. So I need you engaged. I need you informed. It's 25 days left to election day. And I'm not saying that you put aside your grievances with people and just suck it up and bite the bullet and vote. What I'm saying is you find a way to build your critique into the process. You build your accountability in and you hold folks to task for what they're saying they're going to do. Get with other organizers who are doing the same work and make it happen because we got a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. There's a lot moving. So here in Georgia today on Black Friday, number two, we going to turn up at the Capitol at 3 p.m. And we going to let Brian Kemp know he got to go. Brian Kemp got to go. Jackson, Jackson County and Cartersville have Josh McCall. Josh McCall is amazing. Josh McCall, I love Josh McCall up in, uh, what's that, Georgia? Is that Georgia Georgia 9? I can't get, I keep getting my, my, my maps wrong sometimes. I deal with so many of them. But yeah, but there's a lot going on here in Georgia. There's a lot going on in the region. There's a lot going on nationwide. And um, we need to turn up, not just on Black Fridays. Black Fridays is an amazing opportunity for us to stand together in solidarity and make sure that we are directly challenging the systems that continue to oppress and marginalize all of us. Check out hashtag Black Fridays. Go follow uh, uh, We Wear Black US um as a twitter handle that's the official twitter handle for the account i mean on fridays we were black it's just what it is you know i'm a mean girl <laughs> no nah, not really but it's been a blast talking with you all this morning i'm going to try to do this more throughout the rest of the election cycle it's pretty hectic with work if you ever followed me you know that i used to do a live stream on youtube weekly and that's not been possible but I have two new podcast episodes coming one today and one on monday stay tuned um, but seriously, I'm gonna try and I'll try and stream if I can later on from the rally today. But on Fridays, we were black. We do what we gotta do. And petty with a purpose. That's right. Um, I'm not an unfriendly black hottie. I'm really actually a very friendly person, but I'm serious about my people and I'm serious about these issues that we have going on right now. So I need you. And if electoral politics is not your thing, I salute you and absolutely respect and understand that. You know, um, 
that's part of my tradition growing up being raised as well so i definitely understand the the, the mind the, the 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 personal politics involved but what i do say is whatever there is that speaks to the issues that you care about that you can get involved in whatever organizations that you can support and lift up and work with one organization that i'm happy that i'm able to contribute to on a regular basis um, i'm able to donate it's a blessing that i'm able to do this i'm able to donate fifty dollars quarterly to critical resistance which is a, a, a prison abolitionist organization among other things um that my stepfather happened to well not happened to my stepfather was one of the original founding board members of that organization so i'm honored that i'm able to give support and there's several organizations that i'm thankful that i am in the position that i can you know, we forgo maybe eating more pizza weekly or whatever for me to be able to do this. And those are the types of little sacrifices and stuff that we can do that really do matter. So if you can give $5, so if there's like a special latte or something that you like, but maybe for a period of time, you give $5 to an amazing organization that's working for change, that goes a long way because it's that $5 on top of somebody else's $5. One of the best things, and I'm, I'm definitely going to close out now because I went way over time, but one of the best things I saw at an event that I went to with my stepfather um, there's an African Unity Center here, and I donate ten dollars to them monthly. Um, he was like, "Wow, you're donating to all my organizations!" Like, I'm trying, Daddy, because you out here doing the work, and it's the least I can do. But one of the things, no, I'm a radical. So one of the things that um, I'm a leftist, I'm a progressive. Like, I don't really like labels, but I'm somebody. I'm about the people. I'm about the people and the issues. One of the best things about my life. So now y'all got me telling more stories. One of the best things in my life. I got to spend seven years in West Virginia. And I learned so much living my seven years in West Virginia. I lived in Charleston, West Virginia um, during law school. Well, I lived in Morgantown, West Virginia, and then Charleston, West Virginia after law school. And I met some of the most amazing, you know, uh, minded, organizing people ever. Like, love them so much. And I we go back to West Virginia frequently. Um, my kids still go back and spend a month in the summertime. But what I think that when we, when we focus and organize on the issues that matter, right? You look at what just happened in Chicago. We just saw the... We saw activism and organizing lead to the arrests of Jason Van Dyke for the murder of Laquan McDonald. We saw that same impetus, that same group of people move a city to bring, move a county, because she's a county attorney, Anita Alvarez was brought down. We need to take those lessons and we need to look at that same approach across. We just saw that same thing happen this summer with Wesley Bell who moved Bob McCulloch out of office, a 27-year incumbent in, in, in St. Louis County, which includes Ferguson, Missouri. Bob McCulloch, for those not familiar, is the officer who not, is the, is the DA, who not only refused to prosecute in terms of Michael Brown's murder, but he also was harassing, uh, has, has a history of harassing protesters. So there is something that we can do. And that's why I brought up Rachel Rollins up in Suffolk County, which is the county that includes Boston up in Massachusetts, because we have police officers, we have police unions across the country that are trying to handpick the DAs that would be the ones to hold them accountable. DAs have the opportunity to stand as uh, the front line. They can put their finger in the dam. I'm not even if they're putting their finger in the dam. They can definitely reconstruct something better. DAs are immediately game changers in terms of criminal justice reform. We've already seen what Larry Krasner has done in Philly or has begun to do in Philly, right? I mean, this is the type of thing. We also have Mark Hayes, who's running in uh, uh, Hennepin County, Minnesota. Um, Mark is actually running against, I believe it's the chair. Uh, I think he's the chair of like the National Prosecutors Association or something like that. But this is a man, his opponent, the incumbent, who's also a Democrat, 
so I know everyone's vote blue, but in a scenario like Hennepin County where you have two Democrats running, Mark is the Democrat we need in that in that in that district because Mark is committed to criminal justice reform. He's committed to you know ending cash bail and, and all the things that we need to see that actually improves criminal justice in our communities. Right. You have his opponent who's actually in the in, in recent years given testimony against finding disparities in terms of crack cocaine sentencing and other remnants of the drug war on drugs. Right. So he's a part of that war on drugs old guard that over sentenced, over prosecuted black and brown individuals. We need him gone. Mark Hayes, Hennepin County. That's who we need. We have people who are trying to run. We have progressives, people who are more left-minded, people who are more people-centered. Like, like I said, I don't even like labels, but I'm about people. So we started off talking about the 53,000 people here in Georgia whose registra her registrations are on hold. And we need those people to know. Reach them however you can. Just spread the word. If your registration is pending or on hold, you can still vote here in Georgia. We need your ID. You need your ID, and needs, the name needs to be substantially similar to the name on your registration. If you need help getting ID, spread the vote. Spread the vote is here. It's in Virginia. It's in Florida. I want to say Texas, maybe. I can't remember all the states. But that, check out Spread the Vote and check out Spread the Vote Georgia if you're here in Georgia. Um, Brian Kemp must go. He needs to resign. It's a huge conflict of interest. He is he's no different than the orange Cheeto that sits in the White House. Um, but right here in Georgia, it doesn't matter what party you belong to. You should not you should not be in favor of restricting people's rights in this manner. If the only reason why you're in favor of it is because you're scared. You're scared of us. And that's all right because we come in. And then I need everybody to knock the doors, knock all the doors, talk to all the people. I'm not saying go out there and try to convince people who aren't on our side, who don't support us anyway, to come try and join us. What I'm saying is you need to reach people. Low propensity voters are not voters that we should be ignoring. There are people who have been not been given reasons to believe that the system will work for them. When we look around right here, I'm, I sit in Atlanta right now, and municipal elections have low voter turnout. I sit in Atlanta, I sit in a city that has had black mayors for the last several decades, and yet we've seen increasing issues in terms of gentrification, uh, increasing issues in affordable housing, and increasing homelessness crisis. We have issues that are on the table. I'm not, I'm not saying that the mayors are bad or they're to blame. There are issues and challenges, and some folks might say otherwise, and that's true. But we need to make sure that we are building with people. So if we're providing alternatives and we're saying, come vote for our, our, our alternative. We need to be willing to sit with people, to build with people, to talk with people about why this will improve things for them, how this participation matters. We should not be telling people, well, you need to vote. And if you don't vote, it's a mess because of you. No. People who are impoverished, people who are struggling, people who are, are if you're in some place like New York where the price of public transportation keeps going up and it's outpacing wages, that's not their fault. They're not, they don't set the prices. They don't set wages. Like this is ridiculous, right? We can't keep vote, vote shaming is not a winning tactic, but knocking on doors is field wins. Field wins elections, and that's what we need to do. So we need to get out there. You know, I've been down in Henry County. I'm, I y'all, y'all gonna get me on a roll, man. Like so, but seriously, here in Georgia, there's so much that you know, folks saw what was happening in Randolph County over at the end of the summer in August when they're trying to shut polls. They've shut, they have shuttered polls uh, over the last several years. It's, it's a couple hundred polls that have been shuttered over the last couple hundred years under 
uh, Brian Kemp and it needs to stop but we need to get out there we need to make sure that people have the resources to early vote and people know about early voting Sunday voting you know people know about the the term souls to the polls but really you can vote on Sunday here like so we need we need to make sure that we have the information because information is power right we need to make sure our folks have that information we need to see turnout unprecedented we already saw Stacey Abrams at the top of the t you know in the primary blow turnout we have amazing down ballot candidates you know she has a pretty cool woman named Sarah Amico um, running for um, Sarah Riggs Amico running for lieutenant governor you have Otha Thornton who's running for our school superintendent you got Janice Laws running for uh, uh, insurance commissioner I never even paid attention to a position like insurance commissioner but then you know you find out that insurance commissioner is responsible for like setting you know negotiating the prices and stuff because we pay way too much here for car insurance we pay too much for health insurance these are things that are negotiated by someone who has to be people-minded not corporation-minded and that's Janice Laws I mean we have amazing folks up and down the ballot all the way down to our minutes we have county commissioner races going on across the state we have you know people running for school board across the state those people matter too and they need your help knocking doors i think on wednesday evening i'm going to try to get out into cobb county um caroline hokel who is running for county commissioner i believe that's district three i'm gonna put up all this information y'all so if anyone's in the vicinity you can come join me come join me because we need to turn up for whoever we can however we can my kids would love for me to be at the house just chilling watching movies with them us spending money going to the movies or something but that's going to go in the gas tank my kids aren't going to go to the movies. I mean, these are the sacrifices we got to make. And we as a family have to make them together. I know that's a privileged thing to say. But school board absolutely matters. And we have amazing women. Like Sharice Davis is also in Cobb County. She's running for school board. Um, over 15 years educator. Um, Emily Gasoy out in D.C. Uh, uh, state super, I think they call it state school. I can't remember what the jurisdiction is called. But Emily Gasoy is running. She actually has an event on Monday if you're in D.C. Um, there's so much going on. There's so many people, but 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 seriously, take a look and see um, who's on your ballot. You know, and look. Make sure to go all the way down the ballot. Don't stop after Stacey and Sarah. Don't stop after all the statewide candidates. Continue going all the way down your ballot. You can pull your sample ballot right now here in Georgia to see who's on it to learn about them. And seriously, if there's a burning question, if you think something on somebody's website don't seem right, and so you can't quite vote for them. Ask them about it. Sometimes a lot of candidates, they're just trying, you know, to convey what they think is right. That doesn't mean they can't change, you know, and, and, and reflect it or express it better. I mean, try and talk to them. Show up. Show up. Let them know we got their back. Because if we don't let them know we got their back, that we're here, they're going to listen to the wrong people and start doing the wrong things. So we got to keep them on the right track. That's how we build accountability into the process. So y'all have had me here for over 30 minutes. I only meant to do like 10 or 15. But I'm going to try and check back in with you all later. I'm definitely going to try and live stream from the rally today at 3 p.m. But we need to, you know, cancel Kavanaugh and the, the, the tactics and the impetus that we saw from organizers across the country. I know a lot of people talked about all the white ladies who went to D.C. to make themselves feel better. But all the all of my, my baddest and bestest black and brown organizers, sister friends, have been very much involved in organizing the work that we saw happening in D.C. And they're bringing that message to the rest of us through the Black Friday actions. And so here we are, Black Fridays. You can do it wherever you are, wear your black. If you can't wear black. 
black because you have to wear a uniform. Maybe you can wear a little black something underneath, put a little black something on your wrist, a little black ribbon. However, this is going through November 23rd because that is the, you know, traditional what we think of as Black Fridays as, you know, the final action will be in solidarity with workers, especially those who are forced to work in the retail industry under the conditions that we see, you know, in the holiday season. So Black Fridays, check it out. Follow the, follow the handle um, at We Wear Black Us us um and and, and if, hashtag black fridays i mean that's what we're doing all day today black fridays actions are happening all over the country today and for my black friday action i did this for you this morning and i will be turning up at the capitol with so many of my beloveds at 3 p.m so i'm i'm angry all the time i'm an angry black woman <laughs> it is what it is you know what i'm saying it's 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 hard not to be in this country at this time and not be angry but it does not mean that I, that my anger and my passion is not filled with love for my people and love for my children and my family and my community, the many communities that I've actually been a part of over my lifetime. So it is that love, you know, Van Jones, Van Jones talks about love and all that support. You know, I'm right back to you in Florida because y'all got a battle down there in Florida too. Y'all got a battle in Florida too. I mean, we got battles happening all, you know, you got Mike, Mike, um, I can't remember his last name. See, I'm doing so bad this morning because I didn't plan on talking to you guys for this long. But over, you got, you got a black man running for Senate in Mississippi who's competitive. Now, some folks may not be like, oh, his website, though, you know, talk to talk to the candidates, talk to the campaigns, express your concerns and stuff like that. Yes, to be black in America is to be in a constant state of rage. And my sacred rage and my righteous anger fuels every single thing that I do and every move that I make, whether it is going to parents nights with my kids and helping them be the best versions of themselves, future leaders they can be, because we all have it in us. All of us, all of our children, we have the potential to be the best that we can be in whatever it is that we choose to do. So what I'm out here trying to make sure is that my children and yours have options, that we have options, that we can do this. And it doesn't matter if you have the traditional political experience. It doesn't matter. One thing that I learned from the volunteer work and the work we did around Bernie's campaign, I mean, even going back to that, 2014 when we had a chemical spill in West Virginia that affected 300,000 of us, which is why my children and I left um, after five and a half months of not having access to clean water and having to be bottled water everything one thing that I learned was the power of people I watch people from all over the state I watch people in one of the most impoverished states in the nation come together and demand change and specifically demand uh, uh, regulations in a state that is so anti-regulation and we got it we got it people pushed and organized and mobilized and you, you we, we used the digital with the on the ground and amplified and it was beautiful Unfortunately, that same year in 2014, unfortunately, we had the lowest voter turnout in West Virginia in decades. And Republicans took power in West Virginia for the first time in 80 years. So we got to make sure all that amazing activism and energy and change in legislation and stuff like that, we need the people in those seats to make sure our laws stay just and true to us, the people. It bo it's, it's a both and. Voting is not the only thing. The advocacy is not the only thing. These are all resources, tools, how, whatever your rationale, whatever the language you want to use. You know, we need to leverage everything we have to move things forward to better our communities. I learned about so much impacted water sources and issues when I lived in West Virginia in 2014 going through that experience. And I felt so guilty for not knowing about what, what had been happening. I was also extremely privileged. I'm an attorney. I'm a single mother and I have a ton of student loan debt. <laughs> if you can imagine the debt accumulated raising children and going to school. But I was still able to, if we needed to go drive a little bit further to get to a grocery store that wasn't on that same water source, we could. If we needed to go on occasion, have breakfast just to 
just to have a peace moment of peace we were able to do that we were able to be bottled water literally when i'm saying bottled water everything like you see the images we i won't i will never compare what i went through to what what's going on in flint but i do understand what it is and the stress to raise your children the stress that maybe my kid ingested something like i understand that and so we have a lot going on so wherever you can whatever you can do i know it may seem helpless at times i know it may seem like I'm not going to be able to change things because these big corporations, we see people doing it all the time. Right now, one of my faves, Kat Brooks is amazing out in Oakland. Have y'all have y'all seen her video? See her video. Because when we talk about the struggle, we talk about the fight, and they always look at black women and think we're so angry. We're so divisive. We're so this. It is love. And we are fighting tooth and nail for the people. We are fighting tooth and nail for the block. Fighting tooth and nail for our families, for our communities, for ourselves, right? For our very living souls. So this is what is at stake right now. So we got Black Fridays happening today. Y'all come join me. Come on. Hashtag Black Fridays if you can't actually get out and about. So I know not all of us are able to, to be at events. It's a privilege. I'm not often not able to go to a lot of the amazing events that I promote because of just, you know, other responsibilities and stuff. It's hard. So I commend people who are able to get out there and turn up and do what they do. But um, yes, Michael Tubbs in Stockton. We need Cat in so we can have Cat in, in Oakland and Michael Tubbs in Stockton. Um, Michael Tubbs actually has an amazing uh, sister running for city council out in Stockton. Diane uh, uh, Medina uh, is running for city council out in Stockton. Also with Cat running for city council is Nikki Boss. I mean, it's amazing, folks. Y'all also come join me. I'm mean, Stay tuned because I'm about to do a municipal Twitter chat next week, too. It's a lot going on, y'all, and we got to stay focused, engaged, and motivated. And elections are happening every year all the time. Who's running in 2019 where you are? Who's running in 2020? Because those municipal elections, those local elections are coming up, too. And so we need to be mindful. We, 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 we don't like who we get on the final ballot. Then we need to be involved in picking the right people to be on the primary ballot. I know for some of us it sucks because some of us live in closed party, you know, closed ballot, closed party states. So you have to vote a way you might not like voting for folks who don't like voting Democrat. Find the right person, get them that ballot access, get them on the ballot line and support them. Build that accountability into the process. Hold them true to the movement and cycle. If you don't have to, if you have live in an open party, you can run, you know, a certain way. Look at what Nikita Oliver did in Seattle with the people's movement that she ran. I mean, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of lessons that we can learn. We have a lot of examples. Look at what people are doing in Chicago. I just was amazed. Shout out to Kena Collins and all those organizers in Chicago. There was a press conference the other day in Chicago of black and brown millennial organizers, candidates, because they come in for them seats. They they challenge and rom, rom backed incumbents in Chicago. Rom may not be running for mayor, but his legacy most definitely is still on the ballot. And folks is coming for them seats. And I'm here for it. So... I have gone so far over time. Appreciate, love you all so much. But remember, we are turning up at the Capitol here in Georgia today at 3 p.m. because Brian Kemp needs to resign. Brian Kemp needs to go. Uh, the 53,000 voters who were told, or not they were told, but we've seen announced that their voting registration is pending. They can still vote. They need valid ID. We all, to vote in Georgia, we all need valid ID that is substantially similar in name. As our voter registration we all need it if you cannot access the forms if you don't have everything you need to get id and you need help check out spread the vote spread the vote georgia is an it's spread the vote's an amazing organization amazing work black women led 
Um, not saying, you know, that anything that's not black women led is not also good, but you know, black women led is also an extra bonus right there. And, and those are my people. And I know Kat Calvin, the founder, as well as her Georgia, um, state director, Fallon McClure very well. They're amazing women doing amazing work. Um, so the 53,000 can't vote. The Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under the Law and other organizations have filed suit against Brian Kemp. They sued Brian Kemp back in 2016 over this exact issue and reached a settlement in February 2017 on this issue. So this is an issue, this exact match. Um, he was actually sending a notice letter also back in July about this issue. So we know that Brian Kemp does not act in accordance with the law. We've seen it time and time again. So if people are telling you not to worry, not to stress. I mean, don't let it deter. We don't we don't want it to have the negative impact of deterring voters. We need people to get turned up. We need people to be out here, engaged and fired up. Be like my mama who has never knocked doors before. Get out here and knock some doors. She's like, it's bad on my knees. I can only do it every once in a while. Maybe I'll phone bank or text. You can do that too. NGP Action is is has um, work happening every Saturday. And I think actually because we're so close, they're actually ramping up to every day. So check out NGP Action for more. Um, shout out to, to Eric Robertson and Amy Castanel and Nse Ufa and, and all the other amazing people who are doing all the work all over the place. I mean, there's a lot of great folks doing work down here. And again, Florida, shout out to y'all because I know y'all got a battle over there with DeSantis as well. Um, again, if you're not happy with what candidates are doing, but you feel like you need to vote for them, it's fine to critique and challenge. Reach out to the campaigns and let them know like, hey, you know, this doesn't seem really representative of my community. You're trying to get our vote. And, and I mean, watch and see what happens. Like I was, you know, I know there's a lot of criticism about Andrew Gillum, but I was pretty I was pretty inspired to see him taking the stand on Stand Your Ground and the murder of Marquise McLaughlin that happened um, in, uh, I think it was Clearwater during the primary when most of the other candidates stood silent. And my friend Donna Davis, along with several others, organized Black Lives Matter Tampa and other organizations. And he came out there and talked to them because she demanded he talk to him. She made him stop and talk to her. And Andrew talked to her. And and his campaign has been very responsive. I'm not saying I'm not saying that makes them perfect or anything, but I do know of examples where people in their campaigns have stopped. I've watched Stacey Abrams respond to the community, demand that she address issues of immigration and not listen to the pressure of no, 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 don't touch that issue. So I'm watching some of these candidates. Ayanna Presley is amazing coming out of, also out of Massachusetts, right? I mean, we got I mean, folks give AOC some 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 trouble. I sometimes, you know, jab little sis sometimes too, but I, I'm, I'm impressed and amazed to see the cadre of people that we have running for office right now, and they can't do it alone. The only way that, um, and I will never be one to tell you that you don't challenge people on the issues that they that you have with them. I will never say that to anyone, but I do believe that if people are showing us that they're willing to listen, they may not do what we're saying. But we mobilize and we move forward. And you know, we get them in office right now. And if they don't do what we need them to do, we find somebody to run against them. I mean, that, that's democracy, right? This is what democracy looks like. So this is what we do. This is what we move. We got people all over. We got people in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, shout out to whole Washington. I was really excited when I got to, you know, do some work with whole Washington back in the day uh, when I was first starting out with streaming. But, you know, doing some coverage of some of the work they're doing. Um, I, you know, back in Ohio that we have a similar monster running SOS running for Lieutenant Governor in Ohio. I mean, it's a lot going on right now. We have to organize. I know it seems desperate at times. Um, it seems impossible and challenging. And here we are, you know, two years into this current administration. But you know what? I mean, 
we have been here before. As a people, as a nation, we have seen dire times. And, you know, like I said, I'm black in America. My ancestors were slaves. <laughs> I mean, that's not laughing, but you know, like we have seen tough times. When you look at what, what people were facing in the 60s, you look at what Fannie Lou Hamer went through. Fannie Lou Hamer was beaten and jailed. I mean, she was harassed. You look at what, you know, Martin Luther King, he preaches nonviolence, but you most definitely believe the deacon, the deacons of self-defense had his back and made sure he was safe. Look at what Malcolm X went through and the harassment and terrorizing of his family and him, right? Like people put it on the line. I mean, Mega Evers didn't make it out of that movement either. You know, Mega Evers was murdered in front of his house, in front of his wife and his family. So we, and these are the names we know. There are countless names of countless people. My my uncle, Cambozi Amistad, never made it off of the highway in Virginia in the early 70s after incident with state troopers. So we have been here and worse. And together, we do what we need to do. We talk to the people. We build with the people. We make moves. One of the things that just warmed my heart this week was to see Representative Barbara Lee. You know, Barbara Lee got her start with the Black Panther Party. And um, back in, 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 in California, in Oakland. And she, um, you know, worked at the breakfast. You know, I mean, Barbara Lee is amazing. I sat on a panel with her last summer. Um, but she recently endorsed Javanka Beckles, who's running for... Uh, you know, state assembly out in California. Javanka's an amazing organizer, activist, uh, former city councilwoman from, I believe city councilwoman from Richmond, um, which is, Richmond itself is a testament to what people can do against the powerful corporations, right? Chevron, Chevron tried to own that town and Javanka and others came together with an amazing collaborative, I mean, really actually is an amazing case study looking at what they did in Richmond out in California. And we can do that type of thing. I mean, look at what's happening in places where people are starting to look at the People's Assembly model. Um, look at what we've been learning about from Spain with, with, with municipalism and stuff. There's so much that we can do and we can scale up. But we have to build local. We have to support people who are doing the work. And it's not enough to get behind this amazing progressive candidate, vote them in, and they'd be like, okay, we did our part. No, we got to hold them accountable. Because if we don't hold them accountable, the vultures will try and get our people. And they'll either try to push them out or they'll try and co-opt them. And we got to protect them. I mean, we got to be there as that front line. Because honestly, protecting them is protecting us. And we need people in these seats. We need people in these legislative bodies. We need people there who are going to make sure that the laws that, that we do fight for, that we do get, stay in place. Because I don't want to see happen to us what we saw happen in 2014 in West Virginia. In 2014, we made amazing strides. We got above ground storage tank regulation for the first time ever in West Virginia history. And then we saw Republicans come in and gut it. That legislation would have protected us from the chemical spill that happened, that poisoned our water of 300,000 people, and then Republicans get it at the behest of, of industry. Plain and simple. So we got the power, we got the juice. We need to use it. Now y'all don't have me talk way too long. I'm a talker, I'm a Jebediah, it happens. But much love, happy Black Fridays. Got my Glow Vote shirt on. Um, we all we got, so we can do this. All right, I'm gonna talk to y'all soon. Peace.